Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Series Friday Night Lights. I want to thank Coach Riggs and Ch- Coach Blankenship both um, for letting us come and ask them questions um, and just helping us with this series and letting us get on their field to record some of the games and some footage. They were fantastic, fantastic uh, to be so willing to help us. Next week, we are going to be talking about this. What do you do? How do you come back from a game you know you should have won, Texas? Um, how? How do you come back? Right, right. If you're a Hawk fan, you should be excited today. So um, I'm a huge Boomer Sooner fan. So I, I was a huge Hawk fan yesterday, right? My second favorite team is whoever's playing Texas or Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, how do you come back from a moment where you blew it, you knew you shouldn't have done it, but you did it? How do you come back from that? And talking from what Paul wrote, I find myself doing what I know I shouldn't do and what I should do, I find myself not doing. That's gonna be the basis of where we're going. So we're gonna be tailgating next week. That means we're gonna have cornhole. We're gonna have football games. We're gonna have free food after first, second, and third service. We want you to be here. We want you to invite your friends and we will try to see if we can make it smell online somehow for all of you that are watching online. So I don't know what that means, but we're going to try to do something like that. So today I want to talk to you about this. What do you do in life when it's fourth and long? What do you do? I I loved what Coach Rick said. He said, football is an emotional game. If you don't think football is an emotional game, you've never been to a football game, right? There are fans in the stands. There are parents in the stands. And like they're yelling and they're screaming and you've got the opposing team and you've got all the players and it always happens, it always happens. There comes this place in every game where there's a momentum that is happening and momentum has shifted and yet a drive seems to stall and now you are fourth and long. And what is the crowd doing? Go for it, go for it. You're a sissy if you don't. You don't want to win, right? You're just a, you're an idiot. If, and, and, and we're yelling from our couches and from the stands and the players want to go, right? Like they're telling the coach, go for it, go for it, go it. But the coach knows. The coach knows. It's first, first quarter, guys, right? <laughs> I know you want me to go for it, but what it, the wisest thing and what the best thing for our team to win is to punt it. And there's going to be emotional moments like that in a football game. And can I tell you, if, a, if football's an emotional game, life is an emotional journey. 
Life's, life's just emotional. And if it's not, you're dead, right? Life is an emotional journey. And there are emotions that happen as we go through different seasons and we're going through different situations and, and we're single and we're married and we've got kids and our kids have left and now we're getting older and life's emotional and every season has different emotions that you meet. And if you and I don't know how to handle life when it's fourth and long, when it's emotional, when, when you know what you want to do and the crowd's telling you, go do this, do this, do this, and you feel like doing that. But you know the wise thing is to do something else. If you and I don't learn to master those fourth and long moments of life, those moments are going to master us. And so today I want to talk to you about how do you live your life with emotions? And how do you make the most of life when it's an emotional journey. I've got two points. We've got connect group connections today after service, so this is going to be a shorter sermon. You're welcome. It's my gift to you in September. The first thing is this. Don't live life trying to satisfy the crowd or your emotions. Don't live life trying to satisfy the crowd or your emotions or yourself or how you are feeling. Our text today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. It's a story about a guy named King Saul. And many of you know King Saul. And if you're looking for a place to read in the Bible, I would just encourage you start in the book of 1 Samuel. I love 1 Samuel. It is a great, great book. Um, and Saul is the first king, number one uno king of Israel. Israel has never had a king up until this point. They've had prophets that are called judges that have been kind of ruling everything and running everything. But all of Israel is like, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And so God's like, give them what they want, Samuel. So Samuel goes, he's the prophet of the day, and he goes and picks a king, right? And he picks this young man named Saul. And Saul becomes the king of Israel. And Saul starts off doing really well and starts doing really good. And he's listening to Samuel. And as Samuel's getting instruction from the Lord. He's giving it to, to Saul. And Saul's doing good to follow it until we get to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And what happens, let me set the context up for what is going on. 1 Samuel chapter 15, the Israelites are at war with the Amalekites. And God tells Saul, right, through Samuel, hey, go and wipe them out. Like, just wipe them out. Like, just deal with it. Like, Alabama football, right? And I can't stand Alabama football, but they just wipe people out. Like, just go wipe it out. Be done. And, and that's what the don't leave anything alive, not an animal, not a person, not anything. Wipe it clean. So we pick up there, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 8 says this He, meaning Saul, captured Aga, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Aga's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Check that out because we're going to come visit that again. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. So here's what I want us to understand here before we go any further. Saul has clear instructions of this is the purpose, this is God's will, this is God's direction to you. 
This is what you're supposed to do. Saul hears it, and he doesn't do it. He does a lot of it, right? But partial obedience is still disobedience, right? Partial obedience is still disobedience. If you don't believe me, just wait till your kid partially obeys you, and then you'll agree with me, right? You'll be like, yeah, you're right. Um, so partial obedience is still disobedience. And Saul is like, ah, I got most of it done. And God tells Samuel, I'm sorry I ever made him, made him king. And Samuel gets upset. And Samuel, Samuel loves Saul. Samuel's like, that's my boy. That's the one that I anointed king. He was the first. And Samuel kind of feels like this is uh, his own personal failure as well. And so he cries out to the Lord all night, and Samuel gets up the next morning, and he goes to visit Saul. And when he comes in, and he goes to visit the camp where the Israelite army is camped, he hears the bleeding of sheep and the of, of goats and the mooing of cows, right? It's like old McDonald had a farm that Samuel is coming in like with a baba here and a baba there and a moo. Like this is where it originated. I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible. But um, he, he walks in and he's like, what is the mooing that I hear and the bleeding of sheep and, and, and goat? What, what, what is happening. And this is where it picks up. Saul's like, hey, I know what you said, but, but we kept what really looked good to us and what we thought. And Samuel says this, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And here's what I would tell you is disobedience always has a sacrifice to it. When you choose to disobey, you're sacrificing something. And submission is better than offering the fat of the rams. Verse 24, then Saul admitted to Samuel, I messed up, right? Yeah, I have sinned and I have disobeyed your instruction and the Lord's commands. And here it comes, for, this is the reason, I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I was freaked out. I, I kept what looked good to me in the, in, in the heat of the moment, and I, I was afraid that I was going to make others mad. This is where Saul is. And at this point, Saul forfeits. He, he gives up. He disqualifies himself for what his purpose and what his, dest his destiny should have been. And it wasn't just that it affected him. It affected his kid's life and his grandkid's life. If, not, if you don't believe me, just go in and read your Bible. His choice right here not to be obedient, but because he got caught up in the moment and because he started living his life to please the many, it started affecting everybody else's life. Because disobedience always has a price. We live in a society where we used to always say this, well, you can't make everyone happy, right? You can't make everyone happy. It's just not going to happen, Justin. You're not going to make everyone happy. Somebody's going to get mad. I would change that from the last two years of where we've been. I would say this, you can't make anybody happy now, right? I, th I think that's just a culture we live in. And if you are a teacher or you are a school administrator in this place, hear me. I get it. It is tough. Um, 
there's a reason you will never see me post online uh, derogatory negative statements about our school administrators, about any teachers, about any school districts, because here's what I know. You are doing the best you can. In church, our teachers and school administrators need us to pray for them more than gripe about them, right? That's what our teachers, our schools, our students need. And you're in a place where every decision you make, it's not going to make anybody happy, right? Do we do mass? Do we not do mass? Do we? Anyways, I'm about to get into all kinds. We have people that, at our church that works in the media and are part of newscasters. I think of Sarah Whaley that is, is a newscaster for Fox 23. And you talk about a rough last two years. She's not making, everybody's got an opinion about what Sarah says. Everybody's got an opinion about, you're not going to make anybody happy today. You're a politician. Why? Right? Like, I don't get it. And people have left the church because I won't endorse this person or that person. Hear me really clearly for the hundredth time. I am not going to get on a Trump train or a Biden bus, but I'm going to be a biblically-based pastor that preaches God's Word. That's not going to make everybody happy. Politicians, you're not going to make everybody happy. Parents, you're never going to make your kids always happy. It just happens. And what do you do? How, how do you live life with that? And here's the deal. If you're trying to live your life making everybody happy, there's a better way to live life. There's a better way for you to live the, your life. And here it is. Instead of trying to please some, live to please the one. Instead of trying to please some that you're never going to please, that it's never going to be good enough, that you're never going to be enough in their eyes, live to please the one, your heavenly father. That's the one. And are you living your life trying to fulfill God's will and his purpose and his direction for your life? Because if so, you're living life intentionally. But if you are caught up trying to please some instead of the one, what I can tell you is you left God's will way behind a long time ago. And some of us, if you don't know what God's will and what his purpose is for your life, I would instruct you as your pastor, stop everything you're doing and learn to stop and pray and get in your word and listen to what God is speaking to you. Because he has a purpose and a will for every person in this place and watching online. There's a purpose and a will that he has for your life. But when you start trying to please everybody else, nobody wins. Nobody wins. And that's not a good way to live your life. Learn to to submit yourself and to follow and be very intentional about stepping in to God's will and his purpose and his direction for your life. Growing up, we played a game, and we still play this game at my house called Sorry. And this is the biggest lie any game has ever been called in the entire world. And I love board games, I really do. I like playing Monopoly, but I don't have eight hours to play it. And can we just say something? If you're in Monopoly and you're down to selling your properties, you're done. Just give up, just, just stop. You're done, it's done. Well, you never know, it's not over till it's over. It's over, stop, right? 
So here's the deal. Growing up and playing, sorry, I started playing this as a really small kid. And my parents taught me how to play. And here's the problem. I, would, like, I wanted to make my dad happy when I was little. Now I don't care. Anyways, um, but um, I wanted to be like on my dad's side. It's the boys versus the girls, right? My mom and my sister, it's me and my dad, right? And so when we would play sorry, and I got the sorry card. And let me tell you something. If you get a sorry card in sorry, you're the captain now, right? Like you are the godfather of the sorry board at that point, moment. You hold everybody's fate in your hand. And my dad would be like, hey, Justin, sorry your mom. It didn't even matter if she was about to win or not. He just wanted to make my mom mad, right? Like, hey, sorry your mom. And I'd be like, okay. And here's the deal. My dad didn't care if I won or if I lost in that moment. He just wanted to make sure he won in that moment, right? He would never tell me to sorry him. And I'm this little six, seven-year-old kid that doesn't know what I'm doing. Like, okay, dad, do you like that? And he's like, dad, boy. Right? I'm like, yeah, I really did win. Um, but as I grew up, I started playing it emotionally. And I still might be there. I don't know. <laughs> that if you sorry me, I, I, don't, I don't care. If, if we play this in my house still. If Casey sorries me two times in a row, even if Chloe or Charlie is about to win, I'm going to sorry. I'm going to get you back. I don't care, right? I don't care. Uh, that's a whole other message about forgiveness that I'm not there yet. But I'm coming. Why? Because I'm playing it emotionally. Because you did this. I'm going to do this. I am not nice when I play board games. In fact, when I was a little kid, if I lost enough in a row, I would pick up the board and I would fling it across the living room and scream at everybody and be like, I hate you, right? I was like the Grinch that stole Christmas and I'm just like, and cards are everywhere and pieces and my dad's like, pick it up now or I'm going to beat your butt, right? And I'm like, go ahead, I don't care what is life right now, right? I can't even win it, sorry. Um, Everybody stopped playing, and here's why I tell you all this. When I started playing emotionally, I lost. It wasn't the wise and best way to play the game. And when you live life emotionally, you lose every time. You lose every time. And here's what I would tell you. Learn to be intentional over emotional. Learn to be intentional about your words, about your actions, learn to be thoughtful about your words, about your actions, about your interactions, about your responses. Some of us, we're reacting instead of responding to people, and there's a big difference. You're chunking the board across relationships, losing your mind, and you know this, just as nobody won and everybody stopped playing when I got emotional and lost it, nobody wins when you start going through life emotional instead of intentional. And some of us, we have, man, we have sabotaged our life. We have ruined relationships because we've been emotional instead of intentional. Some of us say, well, I, you know, I just have a, I have a temper problem. I kind of maybe relate to that with sorry. You know, I, I, I just, no, you don't have a temper problem. You have an emotional problem. That's what it is. Well, you know, I, I might, I might, maybe, I get caught up in the moment, right? I just, I kind of get caught up in the emotions of the moment, and you do things you know you shouldn't do. There's a, be, there's a better way for you to live. Don't live your life doing what appeals to you, just like Saul. 
with keeping the sheep and the goats and the cows. He knew what he was commanded to do. He knew what God's will was, but he did what appealed to him in the moment. And some of you, you're doing the same thing, and you're sacrificing the significance and the purpose that God has for your life because you're just doing and you're being and you're becoming who and doing what you feel like being and doing. And God's saying, no, 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 no. There's a better way to live your life, and that way is intentional over emotional. Emotions are going to be part of the journey. You know, I say this all the time. Emotions are great companions, but horrible, horrible leaders. And the moment you start letting them lead your life is the moment you're living life in a foolish way that you will never fulfill the full purpose and intention God has for your life because you are following your emotions more than your Savior. Man, play to live your life for the audience of one. The second thing I would tell you is this. Stop trying to prove yourself and learn to fight yourself. Stop trying to prove yourself and learn to fight yourself. I love what Coach Riggs said. He said, sometimes when it's fourth and long, I, if I start trying to go for it, I'm trying to prove I'm good enough, that we're good enough. I'm trying to prove that we can and when I started reading about this story of Saul, I, I used to just think, oh, he just got caught up in the moment and also just got caught up trying to impress others. But when you dig in deeper to the story, you realize Saul was actually trying to prove to himself that he was good enough. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Can I tell you, position doesn't bring significance, and this is the biggest story of it, right? Biggest example of it right here. Just because you have position and title doesn't mean that you've stepped into who God has called you to be. And that's what's saying. Just because you think too little of, Saul thought too little of himself. In fact, it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21. When Samuel is telling Saul for the first time, hey, you're getting ready to be king. You're getting ready to be the first king of all of Israel. You're the man. Boom. This is Saul's reply to Samuel. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me, talking like this to me? You see what's going on? It, it, where he came from all of a sudden started to be a hindrance for who Saul became. Man, Coach Blankenship said this, I don't hear the crowd as much as I'm fighting myself. And I think what Saul was doing was he thought too little of himself and he never learned to fight himself. And some of us, if we were gonna be really honest, the hardest person for us to lead, it's not our spouse, it's not our employees, it's not our kids. The hardest person you will ever have to lead is yourself. And some of us, we think too little of ourselves because of where we've come from. And when that happens, we think, well, well I'm just gonna show, I'm gonna show that I'm good enough, right? 
I'm going to go out and I'm going to show people that I am talented enough. And I'm going I'm to prove all the doubters wrong because of where I came from. And, and you are still, you are 45 years old. You're 60 years old. And you're still trying to prove you are successful enough. Why? Because it's not about all the other voices you're hearing. It's the voice playing in your own head. And some of us, we are grown adults, and we're saying, I'm just going to prove that, that, that my life is success, success, and I'm going to prove all the haters wrong from mid-high. I'm going to prove all the haters wrong from, from high school and college, and that ex that told me I would never amount to anything, that I was a loser. I'm going to prove them wrong. And it's not what they said. It's the voices you keep hearing. Some of you men that didn't have a dad growing up, you're still trying to prove that you're good enough, and the only person and you're trying to prove good enough to is you. Because there's no audience for you to even play to. And you've carried it on as a chip and you've carried it on your shoulder. And there's one thing for it to be motivation, but now it's become a hindrance to your life. Some of you ladies out there, you're trying to prove that you're valuable enough and you're worthy enough and that you're worth something. And you're, it's not everybody else's voices that's in your life right now. It's the voices that keep being repeated from your past. And you've got to learn to fight yourself. Because when we don't learn to fight ourselves, here's what we start doing. We start building ourselves, right? We start building our own platform. Remember when Casey was writing a book, first thing the publisher said to her, hey, you got to go build your platform. You got to go build your platform. And it's a me, me, me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. Look, 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 look. I wrote a book, right? And so, um, and, and we do the same thing. When we're battling insignificance, when we're trying to prove that we're enough, that we're valuable enough, that we're successful enough, that we're capable enough, we get online. We promote our business. Oh man, things are blowing up, right? Like, boom, success. Everything I touch, Midas touch, gold, right? Like 24 carat. Like you just, we, we go and we, I don't know why I just did 24 carat like this. <laughs> My kids are going to be like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> We start promoting our business. And, I, and not that there's anything wrong with letting you, but we try to make ourselves look bigger than we are because we think if we can reach a point in a place, we will feel enough. And yet here's what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Let that sit there for just a second. Don't try to impress others. Some of you, you are exhausting yourself because somebody said you can't and you're still trying to impress them. You still hear the voices in your own head that says you're not enough and the person you're trying to impress the most is yourself. All you're doing is wearing yourself out and wearing those out that are around you. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. First Peter chapter 4. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other, for God has had it with the proud, and just, and, but he 
takes delight in just plain people. Be content with who you are. And don't put on airs. Don't puff yourself up. God's strong hand is on you, and he'll promote you at the right time. Matthew chapter 5, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. And this is what God is saying to you. And here's the problem is that a lot of us, we've just been listening to the wrong voice. Close with this. There's an interesting dynamic that happens every Friday night. Every Friday night, when the football player is out there, a quarterback is getting plays from the offensive coordinator. And there are thousands of people, especially when it's fourth and long, telling that quarterback what he should do. I'm sure there are different emotions and different things that that quarterback wants to do when it's fourth and long. And yet that quarterback's one sole job is to keep locking eyes with the offensive coordinator or to go run over to the offensive coordinator or to look at who's calling in the plays from the offensive coordinator because he's giving direction. He's telling that quarterback what the best thing is for the team and for his life, if he still wants to be the quarterback, is for him to listen and to follow instructions. Why? Because that's what's going to help them win the most. And hear me, some of you, you've just been listening to the wrong voices. You've gotten distracted. You're listening to your own voice. And here's what I would encourage you. Lock eyes with Jesus again. Because he knows what's best for you. And he knows how to live this life, not in an emotional way, but that brings out the best of your life and helps you fulfill the purpose God has for your life and to let you live your life intentionally instead of emotionally and not trying to prove yourself and not trying to prove everybody else wrong, but just trying to prove how great he is. Who you listening to? Who you locking eyes with? Because they make all the difference in your journey and in this game of life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today, and I thank you for your patience with us, God, because you are truly patient with us. And so, God, I pray today that we wouldn't put on airs, that we wouldn't pretend that we don't struggle with this, but Lord, if we're at this place where we're struggling, Lord, some of us, we're still trying to prove ourselves that some of us Maybe we're here. We're trying to make everybody else happy, but in the midst of that, we've lost the purpose of being obedient to what you've commanded us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray, Lord, that we would lock eyes with you and we would focus in on what you are calling us to do and not what everyone else wants us to do and not what we think will finally make us measure up that we wouldn't put on airs. We wouldn't try to impress others. But instead of trying to please everyone else and instead of following the emotions of the moment, we would follow you, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. Not just in the church in general. Not just in the world in general. But in our lives specifically. That your will would be, and we wouldn't just get close to it, that we wouldn't just obey some of it, but that we would obey your full plan 
and your full purpose for us because you know what's best for us. And when we think we know what's best for us, man, we're being fools. That's a foolish, foolish way for us to live. So Lord, don't let us lean into our own understanding, but let us surrender everything to you and let us be willing to be obedient and follow where you are leading us and calling us to go. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today. If you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Today, if you're here and you say, man, I'm just not where I should be in my relationship with him. I'm going to count to three, and all I want you to do, whether it's your first time or whether it's you recommitting your life to him, I want you to raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. If you're at home watching online, the same thing goes for you. Jesus can meet you right where you're at. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yep. Yep. Is there anyone else? You join these two individuals that have raised their, yep. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted today and say, Justin, there's a change that needs to happen. Man, this is your fourth and long moment. And it's not about you being good enough. It's about you being forgiven enough. And if you're here today and you say, Justin, that is me today. You join these three hands before we go any further in service today that just say, Justin, that's me. And where I'm at isn't where I should be. Is there anyone else before we go any further? You join these three hands that are lifted. See one other. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands today that are lifted. Anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it, and I turn to you. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I grab hold of the life you have for me. Jesus, I confess you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. That you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.